A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the 279th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by Zach Freshly. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enloe. Today we've got our old pal Carlin Hudson back on the mic. Say hi. Very Carl. old The pal. oldest friend they have. The oldest. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about a few listener questions focusing on the relationship between directors and actors. So we're going to dive into some of those. Maybe even talk a little bit more about a, a class that I'm teaching today and for the next few weeks with actors. So it's kind of a perfect little opportunity to just talk about the collaboration between directors and maybe the most important collaborators of all actors, the people in front of the camera. We talk about DPs, we talk about art, we talk about all those other wonderful department heads, but uh, but actors are uh, front and center, uh, literally, right? Yeah, I mean, I like to put them like in, you know, rule of thirds. <laughs> Compositionally, uh-huh. but uh, you know, listen, you do listen, you. Hey, man, your YouTube video. I'm aiming for that A24 video. That that, that yeah. A24 live front and center, your, your front and center four by three. Lots of headroom, <laughs> symmetrical center punch. I literally did just do this shot, <laughs> and the client was like, "We need a different shot." And I was like, "But it's cool." You're like, "It's so cool." <laughs> Wait, no way. The client didn't like a centered shot. Really, they didn't. Who's your client? Uh, well, I, no, I can't tell you. Well, I can't. Oh, yeah, it was the diamond shoe. They wanted a different. They wanted a slightly different uh, angle, and I had this very like. Co- it doesn't matter. It was like a Cohen Brothersy. There were twins. The guy was like in between the twins. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. And anyways, it's going in the director's cut, but it may not make their cut. They thought compositionally they didn't like the. Yeah, shot? they thought it was too symmetrical. They wanted to try a little more like off kilter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a second there, I was like. I never get notes on composition from clients and stuff. But now that I think about it, I get notes on composition that they don't realize are notes on composition. Oh, sure. Like that doesn't really look like our brand or that's yeah. like, like I just did this shoot where it was about these sports fans and we just brought all this sports fan stuff because literally everything they told us was that it, this is about fandom. And then they're like, yeah, that's way too much sports fan stuff. I'm like, there's there's seven things. They're like, yeah, let's get it down to three I've been in the same situation where you kind of have one directive and then you realize like, you know, oh, their favorite color is blue. And then you only bring blue stuff and you're like, oh, this looks like a psychopath lives here. You know, like no matter what it is, if if there's just one flavor, then it just ends up being too much. You know, you have to kind of water it down. If that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, if it's a spot still about defending my shot I, to Carlin, this day, your, your shot. <laughs> I love that shot. Yeah, it sounds very. Cool. I honestly don't know how you frame three people when two of them are twins in any other way other than putting the non-twin in the middle. Look, and then the I'll send you screenshots later. I think it looks I can't cool. Wait. Can't wait. <laughs> well, the shining just, has yeah. nothing on you. 
I did this shoot for Krylon Spray Paint, which is owned by Sherwin-Williams, which is sold at Lowe's. And so I, I didn't know all that stuff. And we had some orange things. We, we built this garage set and we had some orange things mm, on the some wall. Some Home Depot you know, orange, like you mean? Well, I didn't realize, but they were like, mm-hmm. can you get rid of that? That caulking gun is like a little too orange, that lawnmower. Like, mm-hmm. And I was like, what is up with it? This looks so good. It's like brown and orange and it's got this like warmth. And then our characters are dressed in blue and it's just like, and they just kept giving it. And finally, like half a day into it, they're like, well, it's orange. It's like the Home Depot color. And, you know, we're like, we're not. We Home don't Depot. sell. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's like bear paint. or whatever. I mean, good on Coke and Pepsi for just knowing that like they're they just don't want the other's color in their spots period yeah you know like like it, it's nice when it's cut and dry like that and you're like oh yeah of course i guess i have been programmed to think that that red is associated with coca-cola my entire life i guess you guys spent a billion dollars doing that fair mm-hmm. enough yeah i literally just did that exact thing oh sure working for yeah yeah working for, for pepsi, pepsi and yeah the, you're like what a splash the, of red would look so good though I guess you I guys, mean, you're, you're joking, but the set, because we were mixing it with other familiar things, there was a thing that by definition was supposed to be red. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, just make it not red. <laughs> yeah, you're spray painting a wagon. That tomato, it's a fried <laughs> yeah. green tomato now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's I mean, you're joking, but honestly, <laughs> it's like not, that is not a conversation that would be out of the reality of what they would well talk about. look oh, we I, know. I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about actors in a second but you do have to emphasize empathize with the people who are like gonna hear it from their bosses when they get the note about the tomato yeah and they literally have spent billions of dollars to to code our brains to associate those colors with refreshing cola drinks hmm and there is a person whose job it is at the shoot to make sure the brand is mm-hmm. like represented properly and Honestly, if they didn't give that note, they'd have not much to do at the shoot. All right. nice. uh, Carlin, how do you feel about actors? Just oh, the hard, I feel... Just the hardest transition ever. I feel great about them. Um, I uh, Not to brag, but as you all know, I did go to acting school at Tisch. Mm-hmm. So I know mm-hmm. firsthand that it is hard and I don't do it anymore because directing is way more fun than acting. So I empathize with them. Wait, you think so? Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you mean? Yeah, definitely. When as an actor, you have like one responsibility, and as a director, it's like you have a bazillion responsibilities. And then people are constantly disappointed in you. Yeah, but as an actor, you are the face of the project. I mean, we're behind the camera. No one, mm-hmm. even though I, I guess also I'm just a control freak, and so being an actor is absolutely the worst place you can be. If you love control. Yeah, for control free. Yeah. yeah. So for me personally, giving up control was not something that felt good to me ever. And I don't even know why I went to acting school, but it was helpful, obviously. Well, so I, I, yeah, I like actors. You still get um, a lot of positive attention, you know, like a- directors still have a ver- their high status on set, you know, so you, you know, it's not the same sort of fun and bonding that uh, that actors get to have on on sets, but uh, but you still get a good taste of that. You get a healthy dose of uh, of being babied. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, in a lot of ways, it's like all the upsides and uh, none of the downsides. Like no one ever looks at your face, Carlin, then whispers to three other people who stop looking at their phone, look at the monitor, and then some then a a makeup artist comes and someone with a tweezer comes and pulls a hair out of it. Yeah. It's the, that was exactly. the worst. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. But terrible. I think, look, a- acting sucks. Like everyone knows because you're at the mercy of other people to make you good and people that you don't know and you just need to do anything it takes to get hired. And then, you know, odds are what you were hired for is like not that great of a thing. But as the director, it's just such a different job. I feel like you can't even compare it in terms of fun. Yeah, that's true. The craziest thing is when people are like act and direct like at the same time. Oh. You know, to me, that's. Yeah. But we've heard Zoe Lister-Jones who said that she like directs from inside the scene, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Like she's setting the pace and the tone and everything by acting with the other actors. And so there is a directing that goes on there also, mm-hmm. which is fun. But anyway, so we got a question from an actor, a real life actor, John Winter. Uh, and I looked him up and he's... Uh, He's, he's totally acted in things. You guys heard of Vampire Diaries? Indeed. Yes. He was in that. Um, and he's actually acted in a ton of TV shows and a ton of things. And so it's pretty cool that he listens to our podcast. Yeah, well, he had multiple questions in the same voicemail. So let's dive into the first one, huh? Here it is. Hey, Matt and Oren. My name is John Wincher. I'm an actor living in South Georgia. I've done some guest stars, a couple of recurrings, you know, I've been at it for 12 years. And I've heard the direction pick up the pace. And in my very limited experience of editing, from what I understand that if I'm taking long pauses in between lines or there's long pauses in between my lines and another actor's line, can't that just be removed in editing? And wouldn't that pick up the pace? Is it maybe that when directors are saying, hey, let's pick up the pace of the scene, Maybe they're saying, hey, let's pick up the energy. That's just a a question to see if you can take a shot at. Okay. How many of us have ever told an actor to pick up the pace? Me. 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 Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I felt extremely called out with that question. Is it perhaps the most common direction I've ever given by a fold of 10 times probably? Yeah, definitely. But we're always thinking about the edit. Especially mm-hmm. in commercials. So when you only have 30 seconds, you got to get through those lines. You got to get through there. Whether there's a time limit or not, sometimes we're saying that it's dragging. Like in script, you still want to, I say, pace it up all the time. Hmm. What does pace it up mean? Is it the same thing? Faster. Yeah, yeah. yeah Faster. Yeah. That could be clearer, but it's not. So so there's a couple things in that, though. He's kind of, He's saying like, well, can't you fix that in editing? So that's the easiest one, right? Carlin, go for it. Right. No, you can't always fix it in editing because it depends on the coverage and our job as a director is to envision what what the finished edited product is going to look like and you may not want to cut away from it. You may have envisioned a different a different edit. So that's a bit short-sighted. Right. Uh, Oren, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, I guess I do use pick up the pace a lot. But I try to be more specific than that when I can, which a lot of times I'll say, like, can you um, pick up these cues a little faster? Which I, when I say that, I mean, like the time between mm-hmm. sentences. Mm-hmm. I want actors to kind of almost like be starting their sentence as the other actor finishes. And exactly for why Carlin said, like, sometimes I think if he says, what time is it? And she says five o'clock, then we smash cut to the clock or whatever. Like, I don't want that to be three shots. I want it to be two shots. And I think with commercials, like, we're always... A lot of us, especially in comedy, are striving to have less cuts and not more. Mm-hmm. I know that John works mostly in TV, but I think in TV as well, you have these, especially network television, you have these hard time limits. And to know that like now I have to go from the medium to the tight, to the back to the medium, back to the tight, back to the wide to get this information across 
especially if it's exposition, sometimes you just want your actors to to get it out. And the other thing, and I learned this like a long time ago, is that the faster the dialogue is in general, the more slowing down, the more gravity it has. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're talking really fast and then all of a sudden you slow down, you say, and this is why I'm talking about this, that then it's a, it's all relative. So if you can get dialogue out pretty fast, especially if you're talking about exposition, like you're watching Law and Order mm -hmm. or something, you know, the body was only 37 degrees. But the weird thing is that the temperature outside was 40 degrees. Like there's there's something about pacing. Mm. A note that I give instead of pace it up a lot of times is I talk about urgency. Mm -hmm. I say, you know, you guys have to do this before mom gets back home and she'll be home any second. Like, can we just feel like mm -hmm. you want to get this done fast? Mm -hmm. A lot of times that note doesn't work. But <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, just faster, faster and louder, I think is the most yeah, sure. common note you get in TV. There, right There now. is that old uh, story about how George Lucas lost his voice on Star Wars and he had a bell and a horn and the bell was faster and the horn was more intense. Huh. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. But I repeat it all the time. But also um, but think, even think about like saying if I was acting this and I said, pick up the pace. And then I said, pick up the pace. You know, those yeah, yeah. are two extremely different takes. And yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with both of you. And I want to just, because there might be people listening who don't have quite the same experience level, just to spell out the thing that we're talking about. Is that imagine there's a two shot and someone says, hey, should we pick up the pace in the two shot? And then... We have a close-up of them saying, hey, should we pick up the pace? If there's the big pause there, that means in order to cut out the space, you have to go from the two-shot to the single. And what if, to Carlin's point, you don't want to? Because the film language of this piece is all two shots, and you know what the next shot is going to be, or you know that you're going to be into a really cutty sequence and just a, a, a shot or two later where it's shot reverse shot and you're going ping ponging back and forth. There's a lot of different reasons why you don't want to do it. And so you can just be like, hey, take the breath out of that. Pace it up. Go faster. And that's because the director's job is to kind of see the bigger picture of how things are going to cut together. And and it makes sense that the actor whose job it is is to just focus on their own character can push back and say, well, I think maybe the character would be thoughtful about this moment. The reason I'm putting this pause in there is because I'm thinking about it or I want you to see the thoughts or whatever that, you know, you can get into actory stuff on that. Um, but sometimes there's just the clinical thing of like, I need you to go faster for reasons that I don't have time to explain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Which is, you kind of don't have time to explain almost always when you're on set. Previous guest, Matt Barber, who has uh, directed and edited a ton of shows like the 100 Chuck lethal weapon. He always says that, if a line is important, you should cut to the close-up for when a character is saying it. And it's a, it's more of a TV thing, I believe, than you know, a, a cinema. Sure, thing. but you can think uh, about like you know, cut to they're dead or whatever it has more impact right. than like the wide they're dead. You know, that's not just performance, right? Right. And so when I, once you're now have to, or you're trying to take the air out of things to make a scene shorter, you have to get more information out, or you did some ADR and you're trying to squeeze things in, whatever reason you need to make a scene shorter. Now you're forced to go to the close up. You've lost that tool of being able to cut to the close up for the important line. Mm. So good point. Yeah. And the reason I do, I say urgency instead of pace it up is, you know, trying to give them an intention as opposed to like a result. Mm -hmm. 
but it's the same exact note. It's like, hey, we got to get through this quick. And however you find a way to do that. Yeah. yeah. And, and we sometimes we talk about being director proof. And I know in like acting school, sometimes people talk about that as well. There are plenty of directors out there that are going to give you results oriented directing. And part of the importance of training is to be able, it's not like, a day player on a, a TV show can be like, um, can you like, what's my motivation? That's like going to be a rough time for you. You're not going to be the most popular person on set, but you need to have the tools to say, okay, the director does need this result. I'm going to reverse engineer it in my, in the background to justify getting the result that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do this thing and I'm, I'm sure I've talked about it a million times on the podcast where I try to say action in the same tone mm-hmm that I want the actors to go. So if they are going slow, if they are kind of talking, taking their time and slowly discussing the murder that just happened, I'll say I'll say something yeah, yeah. like, okay, we're rolling. And I'll be like, okay, this is totally freaky. And like, you guys have no idea what to do, but you got to do it fast, ready? And action. Yeah, yeah. And if I want them to take their time more, I'll be like, okay, so you guys are just getting to know each other. Take your time, feel each other out and action. I don't know if that helps at all, but I th- that's like... One thing I do as a director, I don't know if actors appreciate or even they even care, but I, I think setting a tone is great. Set pace like that, too. I, I um, that reminds me of uh, in film school. We had a, a teacher who said that said that exact thing. But so he made this was like a, a lab class. So there's like 30 of us. And he made us all go around the room and say action with a different intention, but it wasn't assigned. It wasn't like I have the quiet scene or the silent scene or whatever. And so I just kind of remember like 18 year old (laughs) kids just kind of all just trying to find their own spin. And those poor people at the end of the line, just like, well, everyone said the loud or quiet version. I guess I'll go silly. I don't know. Oh, it was really funny. (laughs) Yeah. And the accent. But maybe we found something special. I don't remember. Maybe there was a good one in I'm there. I'm sure you did. <laughs> that is a fun exercise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's play John's next question. I find it very helpful for me to come up and watch a playback of the scene. And uh, this may be my own, like, you know, making myself small on a big set, but I don't have that much confidence to necessarily stop everybody, you know, on a Vampire Diaries and say, hey, I, I got to I got to watch the take now, you know, it's hard for me to kind of get that confidence sometimes. So how do you feel about actors or, or what are your thoughts on actors uh, requesting playbacks? Because it really helps me. Often it's a technical thing. I can be like, oh, I see now I get it. Let's do it again. And, you know, I can help get the job done and, and move on. Okay. So John's next question is about being unsure if it's acceptable for him to ask directors on busy sets, if he can watch playback of himself, because he finds that helpful for his performance mm-hmm. so I, what do you i've never heard of that before what what do you guys i think, think it's also it? worth it to slice it up into three different scenarios your your network tv show or cable tv show like a, a big time tv show we'll say one people are, have seen and have heard of your independent film or web series or something where you have more control right like something that you own i guess is what i'm trying to get at uh and then a commercial um right have have you ever heard of or have you ever allowed that uh, in any of those circumstances? No one. This I found this. This is a wild question to me. <laughs> I was like, what? No one has ever asked me that. That that is. Um, 
I, I like, I respect him for asking the question. I think it's an interesting one, but man, we don't have time. And the only time that would be appropriate to ask is if I had like a long relationship with them, I think. And mm-hmm. if we talked about this, like before we shot or during lunch or on a break mm-hmm. or something, but like in the moment while we're shooting definitely feels inappropriate to me. If I'm being totally frank. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't, and I know Matt, you kind of presented these different scenarios, but unless it's like, Hey, we did a couple takes and now we need to wait for the sun to move down for the next 45 minutes. Um, I can't think of any scenario. I'll, even if it was like my short film where I would be like, oh, yeah, let's just hang out and watch playback unless it was something super technical, like we're shooting a slow motion shot mm-hmm. and they have to throw this thing and it needs to pass camera. I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. Right? So for something like that, we would look at playback. Right. Well, see. but I so I typically wouldn't even do playback on that. I just have somebody turn a monitor around so that they could like put their finger yeah. on the right spot or whatever. We're, so so there's a couple things that we're talking about here. Um, and I'm. I'm glad, Carlin, that the thoughtful and diplomatic Carlin Hudson is here because my knee-jerk reaction was like, no! I was like that, I, I and I didn't want to be too uh, too much on that. But And I think there are actually some circumstances where maybe it works out. But if you're an EP on a TV show, you're allowed to, you can watch playback. If you're Andy Samberg in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, for sure. But he also knows... I'm not just generally speaking, those EPs know how crazy the schedule is and aren't going to take the time to do that. If you were a day player on a show or even a series regular, don't ask for it because of schedule. But also, I remember when I was first starting out and doing web series where I did have a long relationship with people and it was more like schedules were looser. I was the ultimate decider of everything it wasn't like there was a studio or a network to answer to or whatever and i you know i had a really personal relationship with the people as soon as you start showing actors playback a it it does slow everything down but you're almost always looking for the wrong thing Mm -hmm. and that's human nature you know like when you say you you mean actors actors. one is one immediately gravitates towards whatever they're self-conscious about or the result that they're trying to push towards I've never in my life seen somebody get better as the result of watching playback. Mm, that's great to know. I, I don't even let them do it, but <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. if you have experience and they've never gotten better, that is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I'd have to say just to present the other side of things, I don't encourage actors to watch playback, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it i know a lot of directors are like oh, i'm not gonna let them they're gonna be in their head and they're gonna be but like everyone has a different process you know mm-hmm. and i've had i worked with an actor forever ago and i felt like she was the super likable person but her character was just coming off as mean and i was having trouble explaining it and then i had to show her the thing she's like oh yeah i guess i am kind of like making this scallop i'll try to do it without that you know and even kara my wife who's a great actor she used to really watch have to watch her own auditions back because she she was like very animated and mm-hmm. she had to train herself to mm-hmm. you know to put your arms i'm sure carlin you know as an actor like you you see new actors and they're kind of rocking back and forth mm-hmm. and they're nervous and they're doing these things but yes in the stress of a set showing people that is usually not helpful mm-hmm. uh there's this great episode of entourage where the director pulls adrian granier's character aside and he's like look at what you're doing with your face this is like unwatchable (laughs) and it ruins the whole movie but i do think that uh you know and in audition classes and matt i know you're gonna 
potentially be in doing something like this too. Actors watching their own auditions and things, just like football players watching their own, you know, game footage is can be super helpful. Yeah, yes, but mm-hmm. not in the moment, I think. Right. I think in the moment is when uh, it can get really complicated. It is a big risk that you're taking by showing someone that. Yeah, to the point where I kind of just have a blanket rule. Even with other actors who aren't on screen in the moment, I kind of like the monitor is for the people who need to see monitor for their job. Yeah. And, and do you like, agree with that, Carlin? I do agree with that. Um, yeah, the only time I'll say that I'll only show an actor near the camera monitor, if it's like a macro, a micro shot or like whatever. Right, they have to, their phone. An insert. To, they need to lift a phone into the shot. Yes. yes. That's the only time why I would let them look at the monitor. Yeah. This is a me thing. I, I realize, but like to me, part of the magic of being on set is looking at the camera, looking at the set and then looking at the monitor and seeing the difference between what you see with your eyes and what you see through the camera. And yeah, when we have visitors around set, to me, I love it when people want to look at the monitor because I but feel like actors, they are interested. But not like when they're in a scene. Anyone. When they're in the scene, not, you let them look at the monitor? No, not when they're acting in a scene. But if they're not in the scene, like we actually, I just did this thing where we had basically the same script and two different families doing the same script. But we were running so behind and the blocking was a little complicated that I was like, let's just have one family watch the blocking. We worked out the whole blocking with one family. Let's have the other family watch this, what this family does. So they know they have a sense of it. And I was worried a little bit that they're going to like try to out act each other or do something, Mm. you know, or copy each other's performances. But it ended up not being an issue at all. I mean, that seems fine. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I don't mind if people are on monitor, but I don't, I don't. I didn't mean to make it sound like I have a hard and fast rule. Sure. I'm not um, David Fincher or something. Does it David Fincher? One of these. I heard some stories about some directors who like don't have monitors on set at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that David Fincher who directed Dunkirk? Chris Nolan. Nolan. Yeah, yeah. He some his script supervisor told I me they it, don't. They aren't allowed to have monitors. Huh. This could be. I could be spreading rumors. <laughs> but th- right. I've heard this. Regardless, John. <laughs> Don't ask Carlin or Matt if you can watch playback. <laughs> you can ask me, but 90% chance I'll say, I'm sorry. I think that just don't the, the takeaway is if you have a true honest to goodness relationship with someone, like you really know a director and you're like, hey, listen, it really is part of my process. Then maybe over drinks one night, you can broach that that topic, you know, a couple days into an indie feature or something. I personally do not think that it is wise. I think that the best, smartest, most talented, egoless uh, actors I have ever worked with, I think they're all human beings and they all just kind of end up thinking about, they put you in your head and I'm trying to keep you in the moment. And so anything that keeps you out of the moment, I want to avoid. I will say if if your purpose of seeing playback is technical, that I don't mind at all. I actually like when actors are saying like, what, you know, how, how wide is the shot? Mm-hmm. Do you see my hands down here? Do you see this? Like, that's not playback. I'm more than happy. No, but sometimes maybe that's why you want to see playback. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're in the frame. Well, that's and, right. Yeah. And obviously that's worth asking. Then. I think you that, that's a, yeah. a way to communicate. That's a way to say like, hey, just how, what are we seeing? What are, what are we not seeing? You know, cowboy, whatever, like getting that vocabulary under your belt, I think is really smart. But that's not playback to Carlin's point. Yeah. And I would show them maybe then a monitor quickly so they can see and then turn it back around. I would I would just motion. I would just be like I just be like the line is here, wherever the bottom of the frame is, because that's really the thing they have control over, you know. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Yeah. Okay, John, let's hear your third question. How do you feel about um, having a quick powwow with an actor right off the bat to talk about their process? I've found lately that I think I work in a more technical way. I don't mind if a director come up and says, hey, John, don't blink so much or something like that. Or, hey, do this again, but be more angry. Like, I don't mind that kind of direction. It's better for me than them coming up and saying, hey, remember, this guy's, you know, lived his whole life wishing that he could design cars. And now his, it's his first day. So don't forget that his dad also designed cars. You know, whatever that is, it gets me stuck in my head. So I want to be able to talk to a director. Any advice for me uh, to come up to a director who's probably already in the middle of a shit show and say, hey, can I talk to you real quick? And this is how I work. And every now and then I want to do a take that's totally wrong. So request that now and then. Or, or how do you feel about this or that? Or, hey, go ahead and come up to me and say, why don't you do it again this time like you're a squirrel? You know, like that actually works for me. How do you feel about that going down? What are your thoughts? Okay, so John's third question is about 
process and how much we think that actors should share their process with us on set. You know, he said that he works in a certain way where he doesn't mind very specific things like don't move your hands or don't blink or do this or be angry or he knows other actors don't like that as much, you know, line readings, all those things. He's asking us if it's okay for him to come up to the director and say, hey, this is how I work. Just so you know, you can do this. You can say these things to me. And I find this type of direction more helpful than other types of direction. And again, his context is he's been on on a lot of TV shows, but as a guest star, a co-star, a day player. So he's not a series regular. He's less invested in the previous seasons of the show than potentially a regular actor. I don't think he's talking about a movie per se, but when, you know, I think commercials is a good example when an actor comes up to you and says, and wants to talk to you about their process, does that bother you? Is it kind of like the playback thing or is it something that you appreciate? This is complicated. Yeah, I know. I, I think short answer is I don't mind talking about process And in fact, I like it and often will ask actors what their process is. Mm -hmm. Even if it's like a one day shoot. Yeah, I literally did this on Thursday. I asked, but I have a caveat is um, sometimes I like to ask this question, but what I've noticed is what's happening lately is that people just are like anything. It's great. Like whatever you say, I'm totally Mm -hmm. open. And so then I don't really learn anything. So I think mm-hmm. what's interesting about his question is saying, can I tell directors I don't mind technical direction, I don't mind line readings? That is more useful to me. That's useful information. But recently I've asked actors this question. They're just like, yeah, cool, whatever. And mm-hmm. so then I don't, what's, so then I don't do anything. We don't, I'm really having trouble today. I have a headache. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, th- I think what you're saying makes sense. And I, I understand his there is something a little pretentious if somebody comes to you and says, uh, just so you know, I don't mind line readings, you mm-hmm. know, like like as if they are uh, telling you how they work without you asking them how they work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that there is like in a commercial, the cast of people that you're working with is probably two or three people, you know, um, if you were doing like a big montage sort of anthem piece you're like doing a spot for nike and it's like okay you're the swimmer who's going to be in a shot that lasts for two-thirds of a second and then we're going to cut to a basketball player or whatever you know uh it's probably not worth it to have the conversations about uh you know what school you have trained under right it almost seems like as an actor the the healthiest thing for you is to kind of be bulletproof and know that there's directors that are really engaged Mm -hmm. and empathetic with actors. Mm -hmm. And there are others that are not as great at being sensitive with actors, Mm -hmm. but there's not one director that's not crazy busy, you know, on set. And so to me, I like to tell actors like, Hey, just so you know, for the sake of time, I might throw line readings at you. I have like agency client, a lot of people telling me they want the lines Mm -hmm. like in different ways. You're doing awesome. This is amazing. But do you mind if I just kind of give you a couple things like, can you put the stress on this word? Can you do this? Can Mm -hmm. you do that? And I feel like as long as I am validating that this is not like the best way to, to inspire acting, then it's okay. It's like, we're on the same team. And I'm just like telling Mm -hmm. them like, Hey, just so you know, this sucks. I'm not going to give you backstory. I'm not going to give you motivation. I'm just going to tell you how to say the line because we have five minutes and we need Mm -hmm. to get six more shots. And and you're sort of saying like, I know that 
that if we had more time and we have a little bit of exploration, you would bring something special to the table, but we don't have the time for that right now. And I think it's sometimes actors, because they're so deprived of uh, the understanding of like logistics and all of the other things that a film production has to deal with, it's, it can feel unfair or, or just they're, they're, they're kept in the dark on things. So like it, sometimes it, it just seems like, oh, a director's just being brusque with me for no reason. Um, but Oren, I really like that answer because the idea of just leveling with someone really relatively quickly, I think opens the lines of communication in a way that's really transparent, Mm -hmm. uh, but really efficient. And I think that, you know, sometimes I'll say like, if I'm not giving you any direction, that means you're nailing it, you're doing it right. And that can be, you say that out loud to sometimes, hopefully I'm thoughtful enough to do it. Yeah. Sometimes like typically it'll happen after someone's like, Hey, was that okay? I'll be like, yes, I loved it. That's why we're not worried about it right now. Like the the biggest compliment I can pay is is moving on is with something that I'll say to people, and that's a little um, short sighted, frankly. Like it's, it's a habit that I'm actively trying to work past because um, people don't understand that, and you don't get the best work out of people that way. But it is that balancing act of like we don't have enough time to like really. Uh, nurture every performance and we do have to kind of focus fire on what what really needs to get fixed sometimes um and yeah and as a guest star or as a co-star you're not you're the glue in between the the different pieces and the different pieces are the things that typically we have to spend more time on the the tv the stars of the show the series regulars those are the people who you have to kind of craft their performances a little bit more sometimes right and on commercials you have to remember that a lot of times the direction is not coming from the director it's coming from a client or an agency person or someone that does not know about how actors work really that doesn't have as much experience as an actor the best thing you can can do is come to set knowing what matt said knowing that if they're moving on that means you did a good job knowing that if um, you did a couple of takes and then they give you a line reading is that they probably just want some different options for the edit and just getting that into your mind, whether the director says that to you or not, so that you're not sensitive, you know, and that you're not, your feelings aren't hurt because as soon as your feelings are hurt, we can see on camera. Oh, it, you know? And it's, and it feels terrible too. I, I, I love actors. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. I think it would be appropriate though, if, if I were directing a scene and I'm kind of giving them all sorts of different directions to, to kind of find the tone. And if I, if we were to have a moment where we could talk, you know, about what's happening, not, you know, nothing's private on a set, but more one-on-one. And if an actor said to me, Hey, just so you know, you can totally give me a line reading or just tell me to stop making a weird face. I'm fine with that. I would go, thank you so much. And then go back 100%. to the monitor. And then that would be appropriate. Right. Well, and I, I think that what you're pointing out, the, the brilliance of that is that like, that means that the director has carved out some time to have this conversation, right? Like right. The, the nightmare scenario is where, you know, we're in the middle of something and someone gets, you get pulled aside by an actor who needs to express this thing. The, the other thing <laughs> is like, uh, I'm trying to think of an, a situation where this wouldn't feel awkward, but like if you're, Sometimes actors know that they're not delivering what a director is looking for. If you're on take six of your single and like 
everybody else has gotten two takes and you're they're like going again you know everyone can sense that oh i'm not giving you what i what you want that might be a moment when rather than doing 12 more takes you're like you kind of maybe do a quick aside but again not from a sensitive place which i think is oren's great point you know like how how to be kind of just open-minded about it and not feel it's not personal is the problem you know yeah and most my bad habit oh sorry uh, i was just gonna say uh most of the time the director is equally frustrated because not every director has the the toolkit that an actor has right like we didn't study acting some acting sometimes you know like sometimes we don't have the right vocabulary we really want this movie or this tv show or this you know commercial to be great you know we got a lot riding on this and like it's our job to to help an actor get to where they need to be and if we don't know how to do that that's emotional for us as well and it is different because the vulnerability of being on camera is something special that's what you know carlin was alluding to but um but it's it's still we we all have skin in the game i guess is all i'm really trying to say and we're we're trying to help each other out and well, i recently did a shoot where the, i forget the final product just didn't come out that good some commercial something and people were like yeah it's not your fault it's just like the performance isn't really good like it's you mm-hmm. know the actors just wasn't that good it's not your fault and i'm like that is my fault mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like that's my job is to if the performance isn't good is to figure out a way to either get a good performance or to shoot it in a way mm-hmm. where it's not as reliant on the performance. Mm-hmm. So I was like, don't tell a director that it's not their fault that a performance isn't good. And so just so you know, like I'm just echoing Matt, what you're saying is like, as the, the director, we're trying to figure out why your performance isn't working too. And we don't think it's because you are a bad actor. We think it's because there's something like that's not yeah. clicking, whether yeah. it's a blocking or the dialogue. It's uh, nine out of 10 times. It's a dialogue, by the way. Um, <laughs> But, but if it's not working, I'm always thinking I must not be communicating something uh-huh. clearly. Yeah, I, I'm doing something wrong. Like, yeah. how do I fix it? Yeah. Yeah. So don't take that on you as an actor. That said, some of the best actors I know will figure out how to make things work that don't naturally work, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, the and magic. That just comes bless, with experience. Bless them. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. <laughs> A bad habit I'm working on, though I, I honestly don't know if I'm going to make much progress on it, is... I do tend to yell direction like across the set mm-hmm. from the monitor to actors uh, again because I'm always late on every single shoot I've ever been on. So, uh, you know, great I'm advertisement not like, for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not doing. I'm I'm not doing like it's not like emotional love scenes, but I'll be like, let's go just a little faster. You flubbed this yeah, word, yeah. or you did this thing, or you did. Yeah. I sometimes tell actors like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be yelling things from the monitor. It doesn't mean anything. It's just it's just faster. Part of yelling direction across the room means that I have to talk to all the actors. I recently had some auditions and we had there were Zoom auditions, of course, and we had uh, some agency people on there. And one of them was also giving direction to the actors, which doesn't bother me at all. You know, they, they want to see stuff that's good for me. I'd rather not tell the actors, thank you for coming. They leave. And then the agency people want to have notes. I'd rather get them in the, in the, on the day, but we were auditioning three actors at a time because we were kind of trying to cast these families. And he said this thing and it was totally innocent on his side, but you'll, you'll hear what it is. But he said to one of the actors, Hey, I really love your look. I think you have this great look. 
So, so, so let's just see if we can nail this line. And then like, can you do this? And do you, and he had, he had some direction or whatever. Do you, does that sound, sound bad to you guys? Someone to say that you're saying you look uh, great. If you could say it right, you get the role basically is what, <laughs> what it feels like they're saying. Yes. But in the context, so a, but I think it's weird to talk about people's looks and, and I did, I think it's okay if the agency's like, Ooh, they have a cool look to me, you know, but I don't think you should talk to the actors about their looks during their audition yeah. in general. Um, but the other thing is when you're auditioning three actors at a time and you tell one of the three that you like their look, imagine if you're one of the other actors in the room, mm-hmm. like, what are you supposed to think? Like, do they not like my look or do they, did I nail like, <sighs> yeah. and so because of that, and I always try to think of what the people in the audition are thinking and on set are thinking, if I tell someone they nailed it and nailed the line, I feel like I have to tell the other actors, hey, that was great too. You know, do that same thing again, do that. I don't know. That That's something that I do is I try to force myself to give feedback to everyone just so they don't get self-conscious because you gave great feedback to one actor and not the other. And my wife's been, you know, she's day played on TV shows and she'll go in and they'll give the lead actor like, that was amazing. That was so funny. That was so great. And they'll say nothing to her. And she feels like, you know, absolute crap. Um, and so... I think I'm I'm sensitive to that, but do you guys agree, disagree? I don't think about anyone's feelings, and that's why I get hired. <laughs> um, and that's why I'm a hard ass. No, uh, that's that's really beautiful. You said that I can be on. I don't think I I hope I I'm trying to also have a habit of telling even every department head how good of a job they're doing and making them feel appreciated. Maybe I, I think I do it to actors, but now that you said this, I'm going to make sure that I do it as well. I, the, I'm pretty sure is, that I do. This is going to be phrased as a real shithead question, but uh, <laughs> oh, boy. do you, do you say they're doing a great job if they're not? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's not it's not about telling them they're doing a great job after every take. It's about not when you have a an ensemble like a, a cast that is acting in the same scene together. I try to not single out one person mm-hmm. in that cast and tell them they are doing great. But if it's like their coverage, I'm not going to tell everyone who's who's in who's like shoulders mm-hmm. in the frame that they're doing a great job, too. I'll do the I'll do the worst version. I'll be like great shoulder acting. And then that's yeah. a, such a backfire. Like I'm making a joke and they're like, well, great. Now I'm just standing here. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> well, I do that. I don't think it backfires. I say like great backting. Like, ooh, their shoulder looked so good there. Like You say great backting? Back acting, yeah. You would say that. Honestly, you would say that. That's something that I would never say, but I love that you would say that. I want to be a fly on the wall at one of Orin's sets where somebody nailed it and he says so. And then he turns out of politeness to be like, you nailed it too. And we all know that they didn't and see how it goes. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't say you nailed it to someone else. I, first of all, in that situation, I would go with the note first. You know, I'd say like... Hey, that that was really awesome. We love that. Let's try something different. Let's try one where you're saying it like it's a secret, like you're wh- whisper it to them. And then, and Mike, you know that was awesome too. Like just do the same thing. Whatever. So I'll. <laughs> that was awesome. Just do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I I won't be like Mike. You nailed it, uh, Marissa. This time, let's try something else. Like you're whispering. I would phrase it as participation trophy director. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm hearing here. Yeah, listen. I wish you could see Carlin's face. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like is this I wish you could see true? Matt's face. Are you, really you see Matt's face, Carly? People like off camera that they nailed like Bob, you nailed it. You yeah. I, I, I will say, not to pick on you, Warren, 
I, I often will, will start with, hey, that was great. Yeah, or I'll be like, that was great. Uh, next time, let's do this and this and this. And I say it out of habit to the point where I might as well have not said anything at all. I mean it most yeah. of the time when I say that was great, but it just becomes white noise. And then mm-hmm. people have just filtered it out and then they're just kind of looking for the note, looking for the note, looking for the it's note. Like- no, I, I'll, I'll say like, cool, that was a great first take. Like, I think we have to work on the blocking a little bit because mm-hmm. something's not quite working. Like, I'll, I'll never be like, I, I'll never say I loved something when I didn't love mm-hmm. it. Um, and that's actually my, I think one of my weaknesses in the business of Hollywood and why I've had trouble attaching to so many things because I have trouble being excited about stuff I think is bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, you don't want to be attached to stuff that you think is bad. Yeah. Just, yeah. Well, at some point, you just want a job, Carlin. Oh. <laughs> Carlin, do you know about the class that Matt's teaching? No, but you are hyping it up. I can't wait to hear. I'm actually um, very excited about it. That's so funny. And, and very so nervous. So cute. Or, Honestly, yeah, Orin, that's adorable. so nice of you. I feel like you were probably asked as well, right? It wasn't just me. Um, wasn't, I, was, I didn't get asked. Too busy. Too busy. Wow. Well, um, shout out. To- it's not that I was too busy. It's I, So first of all, Carlin, tell me this wouldn't. Well, it might not intimidate you because you were an actor, but Matt has to teach a four hour class tonight. Oh, I actually have taught directing actors classes before. So I I like not for four. Three hours is maybe the most I've done. Four hours is legitimately long. Oh, it's at the Lee Strasberg Institute. Right. Yeah, so method awesome. acting. Very oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, Orin and I did a, um, a lecture that I think became an episode um, with their students uh, a while ago. And they asked me to come in and uh, teach a class kind of on anything I wanted, I think it's which is pretty exciting. So uh, so the first class is going to be on um, audition technique for commercials, because I thought to myself, what would uh, a method school? What's what would what wouldn't they cover? that I have an area of expertise in basically like how can I help these kids like be a little bit more prepared for the nitty gritty of the business. Yeah, exactly. Cause they've gotten a lot of art. So I was going to start with just a meet and greet, talk about the nature of um, making commercials, you know, and why they're cool. Carl and I imagine when you were at Tish, uh, what were your attitudes about being in commercials? We didn't talk shit about commercials. And actually, this makes me happy because so I went to Tisch and then I went to film school also at UT Austin. And neither one of maybe if I would, I I did two years at the Stella Adler Conservatory at Mm -hmm. Tisch. Um, Mm -hmm. And then after your sophomore year, you can a lot of people choose to do film and TV acting. But man. I was watching squirrels in Central Park and being a squirrel mm-hmm. in class. Mm-hmm. It was so much craft and nothing mm-hmm. about the business of, of what we do. And I do think that's too bad because it's not, unfortunately, it's not just about craft. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, but at least you get sheltered from like you get to hone your craft before you have to worry about. True. That. True. I always joke, yeah. but it's true. I wish I could go back to USC and just teach, teach a business of freelancing. Um, yeah, like I if, think about if, this too. Like if you walked out of a class with like an LLC formed and know how to file your taxes and like how to invoice people on time, all the stuff that there's no way I would ever take that class for and, you know, took a decade to slowly figure out how to do properly. Um, Even like what's a manager? What's an agent? Mm-hmm. How do you get them? What did, okay, if the email says uh people's names and then a thing like like how does all that stuff work because you just have to figure it out yeah yeah and it's strange that you don't get taught 
they went in another direction, a class by Madden Lowe. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Oh, Jesus. A class by all yeah. of us. Yeah, right? That is, that's the life. Um, so, so yeah, so the, the class, uh, after we kind of talk about commercials, cause I think that the, the prevalent thing, um, I, a lot of the acting students I knew cause everyone was in LA, there was this attitude of like, well, you know, I'll probably, it'll probably take me a year or two to get on a TV show. So in the meantime, I'll, I'll make money doing commercials was like a very common attitude. Pretty interesting attitude. Just like yeah. people tell me they're going to make their feature this year. I go, you do that. See what happens. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Congre- Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so I thought, oh, how, what are the things that I could teach them that would help them maybe actually make a little bit of that money, basically? I'm sure you guys do this, but I'll watch auditions for commercials. And I, I will say out loud to the monitor... Do you actually think I'm going to cast you when I can't see your face? Like, why are you 400 miles away from the camera? You know, and I wish I could <laughs> I know. communicate those yeah. things to actors. And I, if I was teaching a class tonight, then I would, you know. We should would- write. I, I might text you some some things not to do. Oh, that's like- great. I'll take you up on that. I'm sure I'd love that. Like, recently in an audition, the guy sang a take. Mm-hmm. That was odd. It was very strange, and we were like, "Why is he singing? This is so crazy!" It was just like, "Did you ask him, or it was on tape?" This was a tape. This was not even. This was not even the callback. Mm-hmm. Mm. Started singing a take out of nowhere, not a musical piece. Yeah. There is a fine line between yeah. unhinged and uh, mm-hmm. making a, a strong choice. Yeah, really tricky. Really tricky. I have a quick question about commercial auditions yeah. for y'all. Every time they like zoom, do that weird thing where they zoom all the way out and then turn to the side mm-hmm. and then turn to the other side. And sometimes Late. they do that in a sure. close up too. I'm like, I don't care. Why? It looks, it feels like a Tim and Eric sketch every time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was talking to my wife about the class and she was like, well, one thing that every actor has to do in every single uh, commercial audition is slate. So you have to say your name. You're typically, they ask for your height um who you're rep by sometimes they'll show their hands they'll sh- they'll they'll flash their palms yes. and then the backs of their hands yeah yes and then they'll I've show you a profile too. and I, I think it's a casting director and the men thing. will say if they'll if they'll shave or not yeah yeah <laughs> and whether they're shaved or not i just had a genius idea i think that they should do all the stuff at the end of the tape the hands the zooming out the profile because boy sitting through all that stuff up top not well, fun. that's a, the casting director I work with does slates at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's and a lot right. of a lot of Kara's recent auditions. I th- I honestly think the zoom of it all has changed mm-hmm. the way people audition. And I think a lot of casting directors are moving to put the slates at the end. Good. Because, yeah, if it's like Carlin Hudson and then we cut to the take, that's great. But if it's Carlin Hudson, I'm from L.A. And thank you for mm-hmm. having me. It's today. like 30 like, seconds yeah. and yeah. which is not, doesn't seem like that much. But when we're watching hundreds of them, that's like yeah. two hours, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The other day, Carlin texted me. She's oh, like, man. is it normal to get 300 I was auditions? so mad. I've never had to watch so many. Because we did a twi- I did a twin thing, and they decided that they wanted to try casting real identical twins, but then they also casted non-identical twins. So not only did I have to sit through like all these rounds of identical twins, but also non-twins, and I was like, I'm going to call someone. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> Like, this is crazy. so funny yeah. and we did actually end up casting real twins and then one non-twin 
Wow, look at that. That's great. Wow. Um, well, yeah, yeah, that sounds Not good. the shoot, it was fun, but the yeah, casting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, and speaking of casting, yeah. when, when we go back to real life, talking about who all of the people behind that fold-out table are, I think is a thing that would be helpful for actors. Yep. Who's the director? Who's the client? Or who's the agency people? Who's the agency producer? Why are they all on their phones? We'll cover a lot of that stuff. Um, and then I was going to have them actually, uh, I was going to bring in a spot that I did that I have boards for and, uh, and the finished spot and then have them do cold reads, basically give them 10 minutes to kind of like, and then have them alternate between, I was going to have one of them direct and one of them, um, uh, be the reader and then one of them be the auditioner so that they understand the weird pressure of being needing to seem like you know what you're talking about as a director which is a a unique sort of thing and then we'll round robin through all of that that sounds awesome i think i'm really excited to see how it goes and what your experience is are you going to bring a camera to uh they have a camera there they have a camera there so so everyone else will be watching the audition and so then we'll we'll talk about that and then eventually i'll show them the storyboards so they can see the difference between what the boards and the final edit um and i think i'll probably do that for two different spots and I think that'll fill four hours. Oh, yeah. Not... With like a 15, 20 minute break. Yeah, breaks in there and stuff. I'm going to have a backup third everyone spot. everyone audition? Uh, yeah, everybody auditions, directs, and reads, basically. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. I'm ex- that's fun. Are you going to make everyone like um, sit on the floor and like take their shoes off and all that other weird acting class stuff? Like yeah, that? yeah, yeah. We're going to start with some animal work and then maybe some sense memory <laughs> stuff after that. <laughs> Nice. Bop, bop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you joke, Zip but like, <laughs> certainly, yeah. Lee Strasberg, I'm sure that they have done some real, you know, oh, yeah. out Ooh, there. You should do the action exercise. Ooh. Wait, what's the action exercise? The one you talked about. Oh, 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 I should make them all say action. Oh, that's funny. Maybe I will. For, for the icebreaker, actually, I thought that the, the you know, name, where they're from, and whose career they wish they could have. I think is an interesting actor's question because it kind of orients you in terms of what they're, where they're thinking artistically, what type they think they are, all of that stuff. Do you two have uh, directors whose careers you wish you could have? Yeah. Carlin Hudson. Oh, <laughs> shut the fuck up. You want to write my Netflix movie? Honestly, you can. <laughs> I'll take your career after you're done. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. There you go. I'll do the last round of notes. I I guess. You know, no disrespect to Carlin. You could aim a little bit higher, Orin. Carl, you know, I'm Carlin. Carlin's on your way. You're on your way. No, Thank no you. disrespect. Ob- obviously, okay. but like you I could pick we an Oscar friends. winner is what I'm saying. I thought we were friends. No. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I think if you what you said, Matt, is that part of the reason you ask you're asking them is because you want to see what kind of, you know, a career they they feel is right for them. And I guess to me, I don't know if there are any Oscar winners that are like I connect with, but there are, you know, like there's Gareth Edwards. Or like James Gunn, you know, you always mm-hmm. say you want to do Marvel movies. I Yeah. I would say like, I always say Adam McKay, personally. For Oren? No, for me. No, for, oh, for you. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, uh, He's got a good one. Alexander Payne. Yeah, yeah. I'd pick that for you, Carlin. That's that seems right. Yeah. 
Or like Alex Garland is a career I like. Mm. There was this really horrible thread on Twitter the other day, which was, what's the name of a director whose work you loved and now don't like anymore? And basically every director ever, they're like, J.J. Abrams used to be amazing. No, his stuff is crap. You know, like they, Denis Villeneuve, like they were just talking about all the best directors. Yeah, yeah all the best people. They're like, uh, what's wrong yeah, with Denis um, Villeneuve? Is that a, did I say his right name right? Dennis. It doesn't matter. He's he's washed Why out he by canceled? now. What what did he do? Well, he's, no, it's just every movie people people love when someone loves some the beginning of someone's career. People were talking about Edgar Wright or something. Okay, and, well, Edgar Wright, I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> I do love his early Edgar, stuff. Not so right. <laughs> yeah, but you can't like even Tarantino. People were like, oh, he you know genius, and now not so genius. And M Night. Every director had their breakout films that everybody loves, and then they got money and they mm-hmm. made studio film, you know, yeah, and they, yeah. some succeeded, some didn't, but it's like that attitude of, well, you, I guess you're not good anymore. is just like, so, so mm-hmm. destructive and not even like objective in any way. No, of course not. Um, yeah. Well, but, but yeah. So wait, who would yours be Matt? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I think in the, the camp of like, like a Jim Brooks would be great. You know, but he made a lot of bad movies too, for sure. Oh, I mean, Ryan Coogler has a pretty awesome story too. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, like I, I guess I, I think more of people whose career I could emulate as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, someone from sixty years ago. It's, it's just different. You know, like the movies they made, you couldn't make now and stuff. Yeah. 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 That that's the hard thing is it's like. Studios were making, you know, mid-budget comedies back then, and then audiences were going to see them, so. Yeah. I mean, Ridley Scott, he's another one where people are like, yeah, Aliens is pretty good, but I don't know. And you're like, he's 83, and he's still making these, like, giant space sagas on HBO. Yeah, and also he made, like, Gladiator in his 60s, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, if there's one thing film school teaches you is engaging in conversations like that is a waste of time and money. Yep. Um, Carlin, are you would you hang out for an unpaid endorsement or two? Sure. Unpaid endorsements. So my unpaid endorsement is a music video called uh, Mesmer- Mesmerized by uh, Duck Sauce. Maybe more recognizable for you, Oren, is the director is Keith Schofield, who does... Oh yeah, some of the best work Ooh. in town. Gives away all his treatments online. Uh, he does give away many of his treatments online. Really? So mesmerize cool. is a music video um, about some DJ spinning at the club that was made exclusively during COVID with uh, Frameforge, which is a storyboarding like three D mm-hmm. storyboarding software and stock footage from Pond Five with watermarks on it and everything. It basically looks like a very uh elaborate animatic that then mm-hmm. kind of breaks the fourth wall and goes super bonkers so you're in you're watching the music video and it just kind of looks like a bad animatic and you're seeing like literally like lens choices the shot number you know narration underneath of like what's happening and then at a certain point he'll like go out of uh, out of Frameforge and into Google and like Google like cool things that happen at clubs and like find things in Reddit and then like like one of them is like I saw Bruce Willis at a club cut to him like searching for 3D models of Bruce Willis and putting that on the Frameforge and then cut to you know the shot of Bruce Willis walking in all static and it goes even crazier from there 
And what's the music video called? Called Mesmerize by Duck Sauce. It is not safe for work. It goes real crazy and real raunchy. When I saw it, I was like, oh, man, Oren is going to be. That sounds. Yeah, of course I'm mad. Yeah. So jealous and impressed all at once, which is, um, you know, a good yeah, state. To it be. only has 271,000 views. So. I mean, it's it was worth way more than that for sure. Um, it is it is legitimately great. I feel better about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a really good one. Carlin, beat it. I do keep talking about this one episode of a podcast I um, listened to recently. Do y'all listen to Hidden Brain? Mm-mm. No. Part of it, yeah. There's just a there's a, an episode called Losing Alaska from last week that mm-hmm. is about climate change. And I, I will admit I um, did run into some climate change deniers uh, at my Dallas hotel bar. And um, anyways, it kind of helps explain the psychology behind why it's difficult for us Uh to wrap our heads around this, this, this imminent thing, you know, and I, and I found it it was just fascinating. And I, um, I think it's a great podcast in general about like human psychology and the human brain, Uh, hidden brain. So yeah, hidden brain losing Alaska is, is the podcast episode I'm going to recommend. Awesome. Thanks, Carlin. And actually, um, I recently ate a bagel. And uh, so did you you know that you could cut out the middle of the bagel and uh, lose calories? (laughs) I can't believe that you pitched that recently. That was truly mind-blowing. The second time. The second time. That was the worst recommendation I've ever heard. Also, like, why are you counting your calories? Now I need to recommend some, some books about, like, just listening to your body instead of throwing away the middle of baked goods. Well, what about is eating four tubs of ice cream a good idea? No, but that's called emotional eating. You're not listening to your body's My body would happily do that every night. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm calling your wife. Oh, my goodness. You guys really don't understand. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, I don't want to call it anti-Semitism, but all, you're making fun of my Bro, bagel advice. All is I'm that, saying is just eat the whole bagel. Just eat the whole bagel. Anti- We've had many Semitism. offline conversations about the best bagels in in Los Angeles. I I'm a Maury's advocate. In Dallas. I love Jewish people. Obviously, <laughs> how are the bagels? Yeah, you have in Jewish Dallas. friends. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, One of my I'm best kidding, friends. Obviously, take it away, Orn. Okay, so I have uh, two uh, real quick. Only because the first one, I'm sure everyone has seen already. It has 1.7 million views on Twitter, but I actually saw Tony Gapastioni, a friend of the podcast, and also Jordan Brady both retweeted this woman, Sarah Schaefer. She's a writer, comedian. Mm-hmm. She put out a video. Have you guys seen it? I love about, this. This is yeah, great. great. The evolution of selling a, a TV yeah, show. Yeah, how to sell a TV show in three easy steps. Yep. It's so accurate. It is so accurate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sell the joke a little bit more because it's not actually three steps. I didn't finish the video actually because she starts enumerating. She's <laughs> yes, like step A's. one A. One A. I think I stopped B. around step one K. I was like, okay, I yeah, get so the joke that, and this is just depressing me. It's kind of a long video. It's almost six minutes and she basically goes through the painstaking steps of getting your show Written, considered, pitched, greenlit, to pilot, picked up. It's also worth it to point out, Sarah had a show on Comedy Central. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She had a show with Nikki Glaser. 
Sarah Schaefer. Um, but yeah, it's it's just an example of, of how absolutely difficult and competitive it is to get a TV show sold and on TV. So my other piece of advice, which is accessible to everyone that uh, has AirPods, <laughs> is did you know that if you lose your AirPods, you can use your phone or iPad or any Apple device have your AirPods, you can choose the left one or the right one because, you know, a lot of times you just lost the left one somewhere. You can have it play a really loud noise and oh, uh, locate them. I found my wife's lost AirPods <gasps> in a, a planter Wow! using this. And so we were like so bummed because she just got these new AirPods, put them somewhere. And this is that for I, any of them, not just the pro ones? Yeah, I'm pretty sure any of them. She has the pros, but... I th- I'm, I think I saw that mine, which are not the pros also, wow. uh, can do it. So uh, losing your AirPods, uh, there, there are some things you can do to get them back. I'm sure it's a pretty common thing. So um, yeah, great. Don't, don't fret. Very cool. Anyway, Carlin, thanks so much. Are you still Hey Carlin on the socials? I'm at Hey Carlin on Twitter and at Carlin Hudson on Instagram. Ooh, that's confusing. Two different accounts. Look. Listen, no, uh, people are, you know what, if they want to find me, they will. And that's all I have to say. It's not, it's no problem if they don't feel like searching for two. It's okay. Yeah. I make it easy it. for people. <laughs> I'm at O'Kaplan yeah. on Instagram. Smitey I'm Pie at Smitey Pie Leg on Twitter. Uh, you can follow our show at Just Shoot It Pod across all social media. And you can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlow. You can uh, check out the stuff we talked about on the show at justshootapod.com. Email us any questions or thoughts or a voicemail. Send us a, a voicemail voice memo at justshootitpod at gmail.com. This episode was edited by one of us, actually. Sarah has a much-needed vacation, but she'll be back next week. Um, and our new media maestro is Derek Aiello. And you're listening to music by the artist Jazar, provided by the Free Music Archive. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye.